You know, I had this cheer trying to get somebody to make some noise. It's sad. Sickening, really. Somehow they coached me into doing this. On the run out, George Well, comes out of nowhere and swipes it away against the window. I need to switch companies if Polly was employee of the year. It was a vote between his mother and father, and it was a split decision. <laughs> and now they're having fun. Let's see, buddy, throw it up. Oh, okay, okay, buddy. With his monster. To the rim for Gary. I saw these split things on the ground. I said, yo, is that a suit? Suit is right back the other way. Dolajai in transition, lays it in, gets the friendly roll. Gerard, a deep three. Got it. Fans might want to get used to seeing that. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Stephen Fonte, Paulie Sibilia with you up until 2 o'clock on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We've got a lot to get to on the show today. Missed opportunity for the Orange on Saturday against Georgia Tech, but they turn right around. They've got North Carolina coming to town tonight. And with that in mind, we'll speak with Alyssa Ray from CBS 17 in Raleigh. She's set to join us here in the next few minutes. Eric Devendorf will be on with us at 1230. And then our good friend Chris Carlson from Syracuse.com will join us at 130, plus your phone calls mixed in at 315-437-7644. As I said, Paulie, a lot to get to on the show today. We'll, we'll break down the Georgia Tech game as, as we move along. North Carolina coming to town tonight. What, what stood out to you uh, from that loss to the Yellow Jackets on Saturday? Everything. I, I mean, they played good enough to win, I, I thought. There wasn't a lack of energy or anything like that. It just, uh, uh, they're a better team with Marek on the floor, no matter how uh, how good Jesse plays. You need Marek on the floor, and uh, that is a problem if he's not. Yeah, it was a problem Saturday. Uh, only played 10 minutes, uh, never got into a flow. Uh, obviously picked up the three fouls in the first half, and then you felt like, all right, it, it's halftime. Cuse is up five. Marek comes back. You figure, okay, fresh start. They've got the lead. And then immediately he picks up that fourth foul, and it, it really did change the entire complexion of the game. I know Jim Baham said afterwards that it wasn't the foul trouble that that really bothered Marek. It was just he was out of rhythm for whatever reason. He only played 10 minutes. So in my mind, it was absolutely the foul trouble that right. affected Marek on Saturday. And, 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 and again, him not being on the floor changed the entire complexion of the game, changed the entire complexion of that second half. Yeah, and it, it all started with a horrible block call on him. And from there, it was, uh, it was all downhill. It was not his day. It was not his day. We'll certainly get back uh, into this Georgia Tech game as the show moves along. But as I said, North Carolina coming to town tonight. And with that, we go to our guest line to bring on our first guest today. She covers North Carolina basketball for CBS 17 down in Raleigh, North Carolina. Alyssa Ray is our guest. And uh, Alyssa, first of all, thanks for coming on. Uh, secondly, uh, how can you explain that loss to Marquette and then North Carolina turns right around and beats Florida State over the weekend, the best team of the ACC? How did that happen? Well, thank you so much for having me. And I think that's the gold question right now. We're all kind of wondering, you know, this team's been so inconsistent. And the only thing I can really point to is just they're young and the lack of a preseason, you have no exhibition games or scrimmages. And I think these guys are just very inconsistent, but Roy was ticked after that loss. I mean, he, he walked out of the press conference um, not very happy. And they come back and beat Florida State. And they've looked good against Florida State this year. And I think the matchup's good because they do have a big front court. That's kind of been their strength. But, you know, I can't, I, I can't really explain the Marquette loss. I know Roy wants it to go away. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think all the ACC wants it to go away. Um, it, not a great yeah. look for the conference, right? Everybody's saying the conference is down this year, and then towards the end of the season, this wasn't even an early season game. It's towards the end of the season. Marquette's very mediocre. Uh, you know, they go to Chapel Hill and they yeah. knock them off. Um, how much do you think that hurts? Not just North Carolina, but really just the perception of the committee about the ACC because we haven't seen a lot of marquee non-conference games. Right. Well, it didn't certainly didn't help the ACC, and they're kind of having a down year. I know a lot of people are talking about the numbers as to how many teams are going to get to the NCAA tournament, and to have a Marquette team the sub five hundred come into Chapel Hill and beat you on your own home court. I know there's no fans at the time, but it's a bad loss. It looks bad on the conference, and I think they needed that win against Florida State on Saturday to kind of at least get them back in the good graces of the committee and be. After the Marquette loss, you're thinking, is this even a bubble team? I mean, we're talking bubble team, then they lose. And now I think they're pretty much in the forefront of, I, I think they're going to get in with a win against Florida State, but they have to beat Syracuse or Duke, and they have to look good in the ACC tournament. Yeah, so UNC up to 41 in the latest net rankings. Uh, you know, we're zeroed in on, on Syracuse's status with the NCAA tournament, obviously not looking good for the Orange. Yeah. I, I know you're zeroed in with North Carolina. Where, where do you think they sit right now as it pertains to the tournament? Uh, as you mentioned, after that Florida State game, probably safely in, but are they, you know, are they like a 9 or 10 seed at this point? I mean, what, 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 are, you, what are you looking at? What are you seeing right now from the Tar Heels? I think it depends on how they finish out. I would say a 10 seed right now. I do think they're in. I think Florida State win pushed them over. Uh, they, I, I think obviously they need to win tonight against Syracuse. If they pick up a win against Duke, if they were to win these next two, I think maybe they could be a 9 seed. And they need to look good in the ACC tournament. They need to get at least one or two wins in the ACC tournament. But at this point now, they're just padding their resume because I think they're in. All right, so take me back to this Florida State game um, because you said that this team has been inconsistent throughout the year, and there, there was some inconsistency playing out within that singular game, right? They're down 12 at the yeah. half, and then they storm yeah. back in the second half and, and win it. So so what changed in that, that second 20 minutes that allowed Carolina to come back and, and win by eight? Walker Kessler. Um, not expecting 20 points from him. They have, I think they said for the first time in Carolina history, their four scores in double figures were all freshmen. So Armando Baycott, their leading scorer, has some foul trouble. They put him on the bench in the first half. They go down by 16 at one point. Come roaring back off the bench by Walker Kessler. This freshman puts up 20 points, has eight rebounds, career high. He's playing out of his mind, playing with a bunch of confidence, and he's seven foot one. So they really couldn't defend him. And once he got rolling, they just kept feeding it inside, and that really sparked the comeback. But biggest comeback for North Carolina. 2011, I believe the stat was, but yeah, and, and really play behind these freshman guys. I know Kerwin Walton has been playing fantastic, um, shooting 44% from three-point range. So the freshmen are really stepping up, and I think once they play to their level, it elevates everybody else, and that's why this team can look good on days, but also if they're having a bad day, they look pretty rough. Alyssa Ray from CBS 17 in Raleigh, North Carolina, joining us here on Orange Nation. And uh, Alyssa, you look at the rebounding numbers. We know Carolina has been among the best, if not the best rebounding team in the country all season long. Yeah. They did it again against Florida State, uh, plus eight on the glass. Um, they're not a great three-point shooting team, just about 31% on the year from three-point range. They were five for 23 
from three against Florida State. Do they kind of look at the rebounding numbers as as some semblance of their offense? I mean, they had 20 offensive rebounds against Florida State. Is that just kind of their philosophy this year? They know they're not a great outside shooting team, so they crash the glass and they try to get some buckets that way? I think so. And rebounding has been UNC's calling card forever. You know, Roy Williams does not like to be out-rebounded. And I, I looked up the stats against Syracuse the first game, 48-31, um, North Carolina out-rebounded the Orange, and I think that played into their win. But they like the second-chance points. They like to dominate the glass, and they really are, again, they're feeding off their bigs because that's their strength right now. And They have a deep front court, and they just want to take advantage of it, and especially when those guys are missing on the outside, which, as you mentioned, haven't been great outside shooters. It, when they're on, they're on, but they just they haven't had many games where they're hitting from outside as much as they're hitting in the paint. Alyssa, we saw that big win over Duke at the beginning of the, the month uh, of, of last month. Now, now we're into March. Can't believe it's March already. Um, I, I, I have to ask you, though, about that whole uh, that, that whole controversy with the players, you know, being seen celebrating without the masks on, and then they had to postpone the Miami game. Um, w- was that a, a, a turning point to some degree for this team, the, the fact that they went through some adversity, went through the, some turmoil, and it, it, it seems like they've, they've come out uh, on the better end of things. Do you look at that as kind of a turning point for this team, the way that they handled that adversity? Maybe a bit, almost like the players wanted to make it up to coach. You know, they they felt bad that they made Roy look bad and they made the program look bad. And it's something I'm sure a bunch of teams are doing as well, but it was a bad look and everyone was kind of dragging their name through the mud. And these are college kids. The team's already going through its own struggles on the court. And then you have this, off-the-court drama, and it was after Duke, and they're just trying to celebrate a win. And it was a bad look for the program, and I think since then they really tried to get it together and, you know, stay in line for Roy, win for Roy, and just kind of get this program back on track. But, yeah, it was not a good look, and I know it was really embarrassing. And, and Coach was pretty ticked off about it, and I think he was even more ticked off on how everyone was treating his players and really, really dogging them. And I know that upset him because he, he's a player's coach. Yeah, that they had that forty-five point win against Louisville. Uh, wow. You know, since that game, and and of course the the Florida State win uh, as well. So Carolina playing well, and as you said, Alyssa most likely has played its way uh, into the tournament. Let, let's go back to that first meeting, if we could, uh, back on January twelfth yeah. between Syracuse and North Carolina. Uh, close game, tie game at the half. Carolina just you know had a little bit too much down the stretch, and a, a lot of it. Uh, as as you mentioned, came on the backboards where Carolina just yeah. out rebounded Syracuse by seventeen and and really was able to get some some second chance points outside of the rebounding. What what stood out to you from that from that first meeting and maybe what applies to tonight's game in your mind? I I really think outside of rebounding, I think it's just the play of the bigs. They again they play to their strength. They feed it inside. Um, you know, I, it feels like so long ago, January 12th, like when they played. But they don't cover Buddy. I mean, I know Buddy had a big game against them. Um, Quincy did as well. And they're going to start covering those guys outside tonight. And that's, that'll be a big thing on North Carolina's defensive end is they just need to guard the three and make sure those guys don't get hot um, and take advantage of their defensive play. What does your gut tell you about the you know how many teams the ACC gets into the tournament? You think uh, you think they get six? You think there's there's any way they get more than that? I guess some of it depends on what happens in the ACC tournament. But do you think six six is the number right now? I, w- I was looking around six or seven, and I think it's going to depend on the ACC tournament and kind of the other teams around the country and the other conferences and the Power Fives and how everything plays out. But I just don't see them getting more than seven. 
I mean, I would say it'd be. I, I would bet. I would bet seven because of their history, yeah. because of the ACC, because you can look at their records and they. Yeah, they're not great, but they beat each other up, and maybe they'll give us a break on that end. But I, I would say six or seven. All right, yeah, that seems like a that seems like a good prediction at this point. Uh, last one well, uh, Pastor, before we get you out I think of here. He said, "What did he say? 11? Yeah, I think he said eleven. The yeah, Pastor said eleven. <laughs> well, love, Syracuse fans. Ho- yeah, Syracuse fans hope he's right <laughs> because uh, yeah, they, they they need eleven to to get in uh, in order to to play their way in. Um, so I guess last one before we get you out of here, Alyssa. Um, what what does this game come down to tonight? I guess what, what does your gut tell you? Who wins tonight and why? Um, I, I know my crowd I'm talking to, so I don't want to say Carolina. Um, I'm going to say UNC, but I don't think by much. I think it's going to be a really close game, and I think it's going to come down to whether Carolina's freshmen can start hitting some outside shots. And if they're on their game and they're sharing the ball and have a good, you know, good court presence and really don't get behind, I think that Carolina will win this one, but not by much. Yeah, Vegas thinks it's going to be close, too. I was surprised to see yeah. that uh, it was essentially a, a toss-up. I believe Carolina's favored by one the last I looked. But, uh, yeah, Vegas yeah, thinks this is going to go right down to the final possession. This morning. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Vegas usually knows. So that's a, that's a good indicator. Uh, yeah. Alyssa, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate you finding some time for us on a game day. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, talk again down the road. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, you as well. There she is, Alyssa Ray from CBS 17 in Raleigh, North Carolina. And with that, we'll take our first time out. 315-437-7644. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. So you're a philosopher? Yes. 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 This is Orange Nation. Yes. I think very deeply. Stephen Pauly back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We've got Chris Carlson set to join us in a few minutes, but a couple quick phone calls here at 315-437-7644. Matt in North Syracuse is up next. Matt, thanks for holding. How are you today? Uh, hi, Steve. How are you and Pauly doing today? Good. Good. Doing well. Uh, what do you got for us? I just want to say I think Syracuse is going to win today. tonight. I think they definitely can. I think, I think they will, but I just have two concerns for tonight's game. Um, Armando Baycott concerns me, uh, you know, just the player he is and, and his size. And, of course, uh, getting uh, the possibility of getting out-rebounded by North Carolina, that concerns me as well. But I think Syracuse can win. I think they will win and go orange. All right, appreciate you checking in. Uh, you know, Baycott uh, was in foul trouble for much of that Florida State game over the weekend, Paulie, and North Carolina still out-rebounded Florida State by eight. <laughs> um, and if they're out-rebounded that team by eight, and we yeah. know we saw what happened the first time around, it, it, that does worry me tonight. And I know the rebounding numbers have been important all year. Rebounding is going to be really important tonight. Um, and it was brought up earlier in the show. I believe Devo mentioned it that they don't they don't necessarily have to win the rebounding battle. They got to keep it within single digits. Right. They got to keep it within striking distance so that they're not giving North Carolina all sorts of second chance points like they did in that first meeting. Right. If what happened this last game happens, this game there's a serious problem with this team's motivation. <laughs> you know, they they got embarrassed. It's got to be top priority time. tonight. Yeah, yeah, they got embarrassed. It's got to be top priority. 24 offensive rebounds in that first wow. meeting. 
for North Carolina. And keep in mind, Syracuse had 21 defensive rebounds. Uh, so it was essentially a 50-50 proposition, better than 50-50 for Carolina if they missed a shot on their end. Uh, 24 second-chance points in that meeting. And again, it was close down the stretch. Let's not forget, Syracuse shot the ball awfully well that day. They made 10 threes in that first meeting. Buddy could not miss in the first half, had the 18 first-half points. Um, they still didn't have enough down the stretch, so we do have to keep that in mind. Let's go back to the phone lines. Vito and Liverpool up next. Hey, Vito. Hey, guys. Um, okay, I got a couple points I want to make. Uh, first of all, I'm going to tell you exactly why this team is not that good and why it keeps losing. Because teams are stretching the zone out. This version of the zone is not good. It's not quick. It doesn't cover enough ground. If you watch these teams attack it, they pass it around. They create spaces where players got to run to their spots until they get the open shot or there's a back door or something down, down low, someone lingering on the baseline. How many times have we seen alley-oops thrown over the center because they're pushing up too far? It, it's, that's just the common theme. Just watch these teams rotate the ball around the zone until they get someone chasing. And once they start getting someone chasing, there's, a, there's an open shooter, boom, they'll knock it down. With respect to the Georgia Tech game, <clears throat> They lost this game because of, uh, I think it was Wright or Moore, whichever one it was that got 31 points down low. I mean, he was just unstoppable. Right. Right. So, and then the other reason for that was uh, Quincy, Joe, and Buddy went two for 12 from three. And this is, I'm going to, I want to attack Pauly a little bit. I'm sorry, Pauly, but I'm going to have to. But first, hold on. Uh, They needed two guys to be unconscious to win the Notre Dame game and to be up five at halftime against Georgia Tech. Unfortunately, what really scares me about this team is, you know, aside from what I said about the zone being horrible, this version of it, they need somebody to get unconscious, probably two guys, in order to win a game. And that's scary to me. Uh, You had uh, Griffin go, uh, whatever it was, that by half he had 20 points. In the Notre Dame game, we saw Buddy go nuts from three. Buddy's got to be more consistent. I mean, he's just got to hit those threes. It's 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 really frustrating to see him miss all these threes, these especially the wide open ones. He's he, that's his job. He's got to get better at it. Last thing, Paulie, I'm laughing at you, laughing at the notion that Jesse Edwards is a formidable uh, center or or somewhat effective center. What did he do in the first half? In 23 minutes, he got eight. Eight rebounds, seven points, one block, no turnovers, two fouls. In 10 minutes, Merrick Dolajai, two points, five fouls. I don't understand what you saw from Jesse. What do you know about him where you said like he wasn't ready? In Norway, is he vegging, is he vegging out on a couch, not exercising? I don't understand. So you don't think he did anything to stay in shape over there, so automatically he has to start over when he came here? No, I, I thought. Paulie, the coach, the coaches said that the coaches said that he was behind. Uh, but so go ahead, Paulie. I'll let you behind, respond. Did he look behind on Saturday? I don't think so. I think he looked awesome. No, in the I first thought half. he looked great, and also said he just, he earned more playing time this next game. I just right, don't so think he's the difference. I don't. I think is, they're a better team with Marek on the floor. I, I absolutely. I I don't know how you can think that with uh, the way things look Saturday. I and the notion that. He shouldn't have gotten in such and such games, or you know, you thought that you asked Pat earlier, uh, should he have been in in crucial situations in these games? No, I don't think he was saying that. The point is, is he does not get developed, and he should have been developed earlier in the season because Bayheim had this preconceived notion that Jesse's not ready. Well, why don't you try him out? If he tried him out earlier in the season and developed him, he would have been even better against Georgia Tech. That's the point that callers like right. Pat and myself are trying to make. Right, and I agree with you, right, here, but a, there was no opportunity. To play him this year, 
They, what they, do you mean the, by that? Yeah, of course they, there they, was. They, you're going to put them in a game, the first game of the year where they won by one, or, or in the Buffalo game that went overtime. You know, but you're you're playing armchair quarterback right now. You don't know if it's going to be a one point game. If you're was, doing the, the exact is, same thing, you don't no, know if they would have won. Timeout. Timeout. No, timeout. No, timeout. Veto. Timeout. Timeout. Okay. You're. Paulie's not playing armchair quarterback any more than than you are. You're saying that because. In February, he's in shape and he looks like he's ready to go. That 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 he wasn't behind in November. How, I mean, how how in the world do you know that? I'm saying if he played that way Saturday, how could he have been any worse in a game like against Bryant? He was worse in games that he's played this year because he's getting no time. <laughs> he'll he get plenty get time. All right, he, he'll get plenty of time next year. Trust me. Right. Well, we needed it to happen this year because we had someone sitting on the bench that was is way better at the five than than Merrick. All right. We, we okay. We appreciate checking in, Vito. Uh, we we got to get to Chris Carlson. We're not shutting you up here, but we got to get to Chris Carlson. Um, I I don't even know how to respond to that because we're all playing armchair like quarterback. You, that's what that's right. what sports we, radio is. We we can only go by what. We what saw. We know, right? And, and what we saw. And again, when I see Jesse play, God bless him. I, I you know, I never want to crush an eighteen to twenty-two year old kid. Um, I, he's trying hard. He's played great in his his two you know games that he got a lot of minutes. I don't think he's a game changer. There is a reason Jim Bam wants to win as bad as anybody. There's a reason that he hasn't played a lot to this point. And again, the coaches said before he even came back to campus, the coaches said that he was behind. And then when he came back to campus, they said he's behind. It's not no fault of his own. COVID couldn't get over here. He he was not in. He was not ready to play from from the jump this year. Uh, uh, yeah. I, so to say, why didn't he play more against Bryant in the opener? We know the reason why he didn't play more in the opener against Bryant. And you can't say that because he looks like he's in shape now and he's in a rhythm now. You know, four months later, you, you can't say well they they should have put him in the game against Bryant more or played him. In, we, you you don't know that. You don't know that. And, and so would he be better now if he played more? Of course, any of us, in, in whatever line of work we are in, if we get more reps at what we're doing, we do it every day. You know, if, if I did a radio show every two months, I'm not going to be as, as polished as if I do a radio show every day. Right, Paulie? Yeah, but that's not necessarily I mean, you true any, either, Steve, you know, because this team wouldn't be on a bubble no, it is, right it is now true. if they were better it, from last year. You know, they'd be better than they were last year. You don't necessarily get better. But you know what I'm saying? Players get better by playing more. I, yes. I, I, yes. I, I, I do think that, that there is some truth to that. And whether it's, you know, could you get better in practice? Of course you can. Yes. It, in any line of work, the more you do your job, whatever the, you know, in this case it's basketball, but in, in whatever line of work you, you do, the more you do it, the more comfortable you are, the better you get. Again, theoretically. And if you're not getting better, I don't put that on the coaches. I, I put that on you, by the way. If if you're not getting better, you know, the, the longer right. you're in a program, yes, some of it's on the coaches, but there is a responsibility for the individual players. Well, Steven, I know we're desperately up against the I clock. just got yeah, one go more ahead. thing. I got one more thing before you can take the break. We're also not at practice. We're right. not, we're not, you know. I, I go to every game that's at the Dome. That's all I get to see is the warm-ups. And I see the players that are out there first. And it's usually the players that are getting the most minutes that are out there busting their ass, you know, an hour, an hour and a half before the game starts. And it's the guys that aren't playing that aren't out there. So, it's, you know, and I don't go to practice, but I do see that, you know, and it explains a lot. So, there you go. Well, we're not we're not allowed into practice. Yeah, we should point that out. Yeah. So it, it, it 
but you do, <laughs> you know, we don't know what's going on, you know, so. Okay. Let's and, take a time out right. here. I, I know this topic is not going away, so we'll have plenty of time to, to debate it. Um, let's take a time out. Chris Carlson joins us next on ESPN Radio.